It's not just a signal. It's a warning. Say nothing, but it's all I need. And the peak ain't reached, but the peak is on the scene. And it feels so good. 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 I'm scared of the fall. I'm scared of the fall. I'm scared of the fall. Welcome to Shug Me the Mooney, episode 72. I'm Shug. We have a lot of stuff planned out for today. It's, it feels like it's like officially October. Um, recording here on Monday. And here in New York, like the weather, we finally got some fall weather because for the last couple of days, it's really been like, like unseasonably uh, warm. And, you know, this time of the year, October, you know, football in full swing, leaves start falling, and postseason baseball. And as of right now, we're currently in the American League Championship Series and the National League Championship Series. National League Championship Series is a rematch of um, last year's NLCS. You got the Braves. Uh, you got the LA Dodgers. Um, but speaking as a Yankee fan, the American League Championship Series is like a bit of a nightmare for us because you have our longtime rivals, the Boston Red Sox, not only longtime rivals, but also the team that eliminated us from this year's postseason in the wildcard game. And then you have our most recent rivals, the Houston Astros, uh, who we played in the ALCS in 2017 and the ALCS in 2019. Uh, both times we lost, obviously. The first one, you know, it was found that the the, the Houston Astros, they had um, – uh, sign ceiling set up with a video camera in center field, you know, banging on a trash can. At this point, if you're familiar with baseball, you know the full story. So obviously that one was one on, you know, you know, it could be argued that it was one under nefarious reasons. And, you know, 2019, as far as we know, there was a little bit of, um, uh, speculation about uh, buzzers, like electronic buzzers that were being, you know, taped on to the players, like, you know, uh, 
straight onto the skin that you know you press a button and uh it gives you a little like electrical buzz that would let you know what pitch was coming but that you know was revealed to was concluded to be like unfounded so as far as we know when they won the 2019 alcs all fair and square but i brought i'm bringing it up because i was posed with an interesting question and it usually gets posed to me because when i think of like the 1986 world series which took place four years before i was born uh, I was like, wow, like imagine if like the Mets and the Red Sox played in a World Series, like the te- two teams I've hated more than any other teams. Um, who would I root for? Who would I prefer to win? Um, which to me is like, who do I want to lose more? And I don't know. I mean, it's funny because whenever I watch like retrospectives about like the 1986 um, World Series, I don't know if it's because, you know, Dwight Gooden, um, who eventually became a Yankee, threw a no-hitter in 1996. And Daryl Strawberry, who stuck around with the 90s dynasty Yankees for a lot longer than, than Gooden did. You know, they, they were staples of the Yankees and always kind of had like a fondness for uh, Keith Hernandez and um Gary Carter so retrospectively I I always you know I watch you know any kind of like documentary or any type of video about the 1986 World Series and I always fire myself like yeah I'm so glad like Boston lost um I found myself kind of like rooting for the mess a little bit but in as an adult if it was to actually happen in real time today i don't know who i would choose but this year's alcs i'm like completely ignoring it whenever i get like notifications on my phone as soon as it says something about like the alcs i kind of swipe it away i don't even want to know about it scroll past it when i'm on twitter i'm ignoring it man that's that's the one thing i i do the way i look at it either team that wins i'm rooting for the nl team I'm rooting for the NL team in the World Series regardless because I, I always hate that um that rhetoric like you should root for your league in the World Series uh you know being a Yankees fan the American League so you should root for the American League team and I'm thinking to myself I'm like it's like far more teams in the American League that I hate than there are in the National League I think like the only team in the National League I truly have like uh, a, a, a hate for or a disdain for is the Mets. You know, and of course, like 2015, I was rooting for the Royals in that World Series. But more often than not, like I, I find myself, I find myself rooting for the National League team in the World Series because as often as the Yankees are in a postseason, the team that beat the Yankees is usually the one in the World Series. As a matter of fact, you know, if you really wanted to break down uh, this year's American League Championship Series, like if you were a betting man, you probably bet on the Red Sox to win because for the last four seasons, the team that beat the Yankees eventually 
went to the World Series, um, which, you know, you could kind of like chalk that up to the fact that only five teams make it. So you only have to win like three rounds. If you're the wild card team, you only have to win two rounds. If you're the, you know, uh, if, if you're a division champion and you didn't have to play in a wild card game in order to go to the World Series. So in all likelihood, yeah, you would. How you would beat the Yankees on the way to going to World Series, but it's just funny that the team that eliminated the Yankees the last four years has gone on to the World Series. Uh, 2017 lost to the Astros in the ALCS, so they were the runner up to the World Series, um, to the American League champion. 2018. Lost in the division series to the Red Sox. The Red Sox go on, win the World Series. Uh, 2019, lost to the Astros in ALCS. So, again, AL runner-up, but the team went on to win, to, to go on to the World Series. 2020, losing the division series to the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa goes on um, to win the American League and, you know, lose the World Series. So, by... You know, that that pattern, you know, if you were a betting man, you would bet on the Red Sox to go to the World Series. But I, I was posed with the question, you know, if you had to choose, who did you who who would you choose? And it's it's tough. I will say this, I prefer Boston lose because, you know, they've you know, the devil you know, you know, they've been our rivals since the beginning of time and you know, whether the Red Sox are really good or whether they're shitty, I always take pleasure in them losing. The Astros is, like, personal because, you know, both times we got really close to the World Series, you know, we, we lost to them. But in all actuality, like, I'm starting I'm starting to not feel as bad about – um, I'm not feeling as bad about the Astros cheating as I did uh you know in 2019 you know because you know yeah they 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 cheated they knew what pitches were coming whenever they had clearly an overwhelming home field advantage whenever they played in their park um with the the you know science ceiling but other than that they still were like a talented baseball team and they continued to be a talented baseball team because as we speak they're in their fifth straight American League Championship Series, you know, that ain't even a feat that the 90s Yankees did the most. They they, they went, you know, the most ALCSs they went to consecutively was, you know, 98 to 2001, four years. So the Astros are, um, they're still pretty competitive. So cheating aside, you know, the argument could be made. They probably would have won anyways. The only detriment to that is that we know they cheated so you can't say that with absolute certainty um but all the teams that were wronged boston they ended up winning the world series in 2018 the dodgers ended up winning the world series in 2020 the only team that's not been rewarded is my yankees so you know i i i don't know i'm 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 still, I, I still got to, you know, buy that proxy because in 20, because in 2017, 
we lost. And not Yankees team has probably been late aside from 2019. I think 2019 and 2017 were like the most um, talented and the most competitive Yankees teams of this, you know, little baby bombers period. But it seems to me that the Yankee, the the Yankees, they've somehow, some way, they have like winners fatigue without actually winning. Like they're they've underachieved since then, and the Astros, they've continued to basically um, be consistently at the top of the American League. Like as I said, five straight ALCSs. So. Um, by the end of this ALCS, they will be the last AL team standing or the second to last AL team standing five straight years, period. Um, so for by that process, like I'm begrudgingly, I mean, not, you know, the Astros, you know, they are, they, they're, they're talented, but, you know, you know, they were found guilty of cheating um, in 2017. So that one, the jury's still out. But I think all the other years besides that, they've, you know, they've, they've proven that they're still uh, um, a really good baseball team. And I guess it does kind of take away because seeing how talented they continue to be, going back to that initial year, you're like, wow, like what if they would actually – tried to win this like legitimately they would this would be one of the most like talented like a run of one of the most talented teams in MLB history but you know that that cheating it 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 kind of kills that but just wrapping it up as I said like if I were a betting man I would bet on the Red Sox is just off of like the pattern of, you know, team not eliminates the Yankees goes on to the world series, but regardless, I'm still rooting for the NL team. Cause you know, it kind of reminds me like in 2007 during the Republican primary debates, Rudy Giuliani and Mitt Romney, you know, Mitt Romney is a Massachusetts guy and Giuliani uh, amongst other things, is known for being a Yankee fan. Um, so 2007, the Red Sox were in the World Series against Colorado. And part of his campaign, because he was trying to run for president, so you kind of have to, you have to appeal to the whole country. So he's trying to win over, like, Massachusetts voters and New England voters, you know, by saying, oh, I'm going to root for the Red Sox in the World Series because I'm an American League fan. And it goes back to... Like, I always hate the root for your league argument. To me, that should only be reserved for the All-Star game because at least, like, your guys are playing. They're playing alongside a lot of guys, like, you hate or at least you have a begrudging respect for. But your guys are playing, so why would you root against, like, you know, you'd have to root for your your, your league in that situation because your guys are playing. But in a World Series, it's like, why? Because, like I said before, it's four more teams in your league that you can't stand because you see them more regularly than um, the National League teams. Um, matter of fact, it really goes for, like, any sport because, like, basketball, for many years, like, LeBron was in the East. 
So if, you know, being a Knicks fan, if I'm rooting for the East, I'd have to root for LeBron. And, I, you know, as you know from the show, I can't stand LeBron James. So that wasn't going to happen. So I wasn't, you know, rooting for the Eastern Conference. Football might be the closest to it because, like, other than the Cowboys and the Niners, for some reason, and the Eagles, if they weren't playing Tom Brady's Patriots, I more often than not would be root. I often root for the NFC team being a Giants fan. But I do, you know, yeah, I do sometimes find it. I, that one's like a toss up, but, you know, I don't hold any like animosity towards like NF, you know, teams in conference as I do in other sports. So, yeah, if, you know, one pose that question, I, I, I'm A, com- ignoring the ALCS completely. When it's over, I'll see the result because that team will be in a World Series and I'll be rooting against them. But I'm ignoring it completely. So, but objectively, if I was betting, I would I would bet on the Red Sox because they've um just going off of my personal the pattern that I've noticed is that you know the team that beats these Yankees recently, at least for the last four years, has went on to go to the World Series. So I, I'd lean, you know, if I had to try to win money, it would be me betting on the Red Sox. All right. So over the weekend, a show um, premiered its third season that I really got into um, pre-pandemic. I didn't even realize like it was so long ago that the last season ended Um, on Netflix. You, which stars Penn Bagley. Uh, A lot of people know him. Well, know him now from this show. But they also know him from Gossip Girl. And I got into the show because around the second season's premiere, um, a lot of memes were circulating with him, <clears throat> with Penn Bagley, uh, wearing like, you know, um, like a windbreaker and a hat and some like, uh, sunglasses like you know a, like somebody trying to be like incognito and it was all of these like funny memes going on so I didn't know anything about it I'm like oh, all right let me let me check this show out and I was able to watch like the first and second seasons back to back and I was intrigued it was an interesting show because you know what I thought was it was just about like an, a guy who was like obsessed with women and then as I watched it, I'm like, oh, he's like a stalker. And then as I watched it even more, like, it was about an obsessive stalker, but he was also, like, a psychopath with, like, a heart of gold, <laughs> which sounds, like, weird because uh, if you haven't watched the show, um, in the basement of the bookstore he worked, there was, like, a glass cage so to speak that was like ventilated and it was under the guys that um it held books that were like really old to keep them in you know um great condition because they needed to be held at a certain temperature and you come to find out that he was orphaned and a you know the the owner of bookstore took him in and whenever he like misbehaved or 
whatever, like the guy, the, the owner would lock him in this cage. So then our owner eventually like passed away, we assume, and bequeathed the store to the protagonist, Joe, who was played by Penn Bagley. And what happened was, as he grew up, he become he would become like obsessed with like certain women, and then whoever got in his way, he would hold them in this cage, and eventually he would like kill them. Eventually, some of them he let go, and that's why I say he was like the 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 psychopath with a heart of gold because he would let people go. Um if he felt sorry for them, even though like it does present a risk for him because that person could go to the police. So it was really like, um, it was different. If it's those type of shows that kind of made you feel weird for like, um, kind of rooting for this guy. And also, um, a lot of his victims, this is the interesting, they would, the interesting thing they did with the narrative is that his victims, he would, they would make, they would write them to be object, objectively like horrible people, like terrible people. Like all of those people like you encounter in life, and it's like, oh my God, I could just choke this person. Like every single person was like that type of person. So then when they eventually met their demise, you know, a part of you would kind of be like, oh, well, he had to. And like, you know, the world's a little bit better without that person. And the first season, it actually aired on Lifetime. So if you watched the first season, it kind of had like a Lifetime movie type of like vibe to it, like the production and the writing and, and all of that. But then the second season was exclusively, the second and third season have been exclusively on Netflix. Um, and the production values have gone up. Um, the writing, the writing is a little bit more, um, is a little bit better. Like the dialogue and just like the story arc has been a little bit better on the Netflix seasons. And the first and second season gave like a backstory, but they gave it in crumbs. Like I said, the first season you learned about the book, the, the bookstore owner that took him in. And how he was treated and how he was, you know, locked in a cage, you know, as a um, preteen or a young teen. I can't recall. Um, and then the second season, it kind of gave the backstory of how he became an or- orphan, um, you know, in detail and his relationship with his mom. And then the second season, it was um, he was his his new object of affection was love um who was played by victoria pedretti who if you watched our once upon a time in hollywood i talk about because she's in our movie playing on one of the manson family members um she also has been on a show the haunting of the hill hill house and uh, I think another show, Haunting of Bly Manor, I believe. So she's she's been in a, a fair amount of different shows. And I've developed like a little crush on her. I'm not gonna lie. Um, very attractive uh, woman, and it had like a little plot twist 
in the second season. Um, if you haven't watched the show and you plan to watch it and you don't want me to spoil it, you know, please skip ahead to the next um segment. But it was revealed that love was actually a murderer just like Joe was and they fell in love and she became pregnant and he married her and they moved away from um the first season took place in New York second season you know he had to run away from the stuff he did in New York so he moved to LA and by the end of the second season when she's revealed to be pregnant and they get married they move out of the city of LA move to the suburbs and it's revealed in season three that the suburbs are in, you know, the Bay Area and like San Francisco, uh, Silicon Valley and that type of area. And, you know, I watched the entire third season over the weekend, binge watched it. And I have to give it like a five out of ten. I give it like a five and a half because five of the, five and a half of the episodes were like really good. And then the other four and a half were just abysmal. Um, Because he eventually kind of like went back to, you know, what I thought was from the first season. It was like, all right, he's an obsessive stalker. And that eventually becomes his undoing. Then the second season, he moves to L.A. and he becomes obsessed with this new woman. But then plot twist, this woman is just as like a crazy psychopath, murderer, stalker just like you are so it's like a match made in heaven or hell and to be basically they undid the second season the the second season where it's like instead of like the gimmicky like oh he's just obsessed like every season he's gonna be obsessed with a new girl it's like oh now he gets the girl he was obsessed obsessed with and she relates to him in a way that these other women didn't and the first half of the third season kind of like explored that in that you know you become he joe becomes obsessed with all these women and then they turn their back on him the same way that his mother his mother did and the one woman that has been like standing by him hasn't and it seemed that we're going into a direction that you know he'd appreciate the fact that you know he finally won basically but by the end of the season, he does end up falling back into that. Oh, he's going to be obsessed with this woman. And what I really thought was like season three was going to like explore his relationship with his mother a little bit more. Maybe he goes looking for her or, um, you know, and that stuff is kind of like resolved, but it, it wasn't. Season three was basically he's obsessed with this new woman, but now he's married now. And... He has to deal with getting out. He's married with a kid now. So now he has to figure out how he could get what he wants and get rid of, you know, the baggage of his wife and his kid, um, which kind of tainted the season for me because it was just like, you know, I thought they were going with this narrative here rather than a gimmicky, like every season he's going to have like a new obsession, you know, and basically season three would have been him trying to like break out of this cycle that he's he's been in over the span of these first couple seasons and i don't know because i really thought about it and the last season ended 
like right before the pandemic because I just remember I was, I was watching the episodes like on my way to work, on my way back from work, during my breaks. Um, like I basically became obsessed with the show and I, I really liked it and I really got intrigued by it. And I just think that, okay, the show ended in 2020, new season all the way in 2021. They had to, you know, as with everything else, there was obviously delays with the pandemic. So I think initially they probably had, like at the end of season three, I mean, season two, at the end of season two, they had a story. And then with the delays um between the second season and production of the third season i don't know if like some of the actors had like other like commitments they got involved with in the interim and basically like they wouldn't be on the show past season four so whatever they had planned i mean they couldn't be in the show past season three going into season four so they kind of had to and everything in season three for that character and that changed things because it, it seemed uneven for like the first five episodes it seemed like they were kind of going in, in a certain direction and then the last five episodes they went basically in a, another direction um but as i said there is a season four of uh, of planet to watch because uh i felt that Season two was a good enough endpoint. I think, like, what happened after Love's, like, revealed to be a murderer, just like he is, you know, they're like-minded individuals, which was something that went on in the third season where, you know, they were still them and they were kind of putting on this facade of, you know, these, this married couple with a kid in the suburbs. But, you know, they could have just left it to, to our imaginations. Maybe years go on and, you know, you kind of pick up, you know, a f- couple years down the road when, like, the their kid was a little bit older and they've already been married for a while. Because it seemed like a lot of the problems and motions of being married and, you know, the person you're being married to is not who they, who you thought they were and, all of that stuff, it, it simply happened like far far too quickly for it to to make sense in that third season, in my in my opinion. And I just feel like the, the third season was a big step back because I thought this this was a series where, you know, going into it, as I said, I got into it because of memes. And the first season and seven episodes into the second season it seemed like a show that was like a big meme like it wasn't meant to be taken seriously and then you know the plot twist in the third season in in the second season in the last three episodes where you find out like love is you know a psychopath just like he is it kind of got you invested because it's like oh there's an actual story being told here and then the third season it go it fell back into that it was going on that narrative way and then after like six episodes it turned back into that meme worthy show because i woke up on sunday and i'm going through twitter and you know of course it's trending because by like 
Sunday, just like me, people who were fans of the first two seasons, they binged out the, the, the third season. And there were so many different memes about this season. So it really fell back into that, that into that meme type show where it's like one big old gimmick. Like he's just obsessed. Like that's his whole being, just being obsessed by women. And it, I, like, I just, as a, like, as a creative writer, I just don't know how you, how you break out of that. Like, I feel like you need character development and they, it feels like they were developing Joe and then, they fell back into to the same well because now I'm thinking, see, it's already got a season four. I'm like, is season four going to be him, you know, being obsessed with this woman and then him getting tired of her and then being obsessed with another woman and it's just going to go on and on and on till people are tired of it and I'm kind of already tired of it. So, yeah, I, I'm not really planning to watch the fourth season whenever that comes out maybe they'll take into consideration a reaction to the third season i haven't really seen anybody else's reactions just yet outside of you know the, the twitter memes um but it'll be interesting to see what people uh critics and and just the the public in general um the viewers have you know what they've they've thought about the show and maybe they'll they'll take that into consideration before they do a fourth season so, like I said, I'm not planning to watch because I feel like season three was a big step back. I felt like the end of season two was a logical end point. But that could change by the time this next one starts, this next season starts. Because even when this season started, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this to myself again. Like, I'm really watching this show where, like, you know, stalkers and killers are like the protagonists. So it just, it gives you, it, it, it really makes you like introspective on like, why do I like this show? Why, why do they kill these people? And I don't feel bad for these people. But again, like I said, they make the characters that they do kill really, really unlikable. And just going back to like the, the storyline kind of changes. Um, The young lady in season two, like he, um, Joe actually grew like a fondness for this teenage girl, um, you know, where he was very like concerned about her. And she was actually like a um like a social media personality, and it was like this famous comedian that was revealed to be like a pedophile. And oddly enough, it was played by an actual comedian, Chris Delia who was revealed to be a pedophile <laughs> and, and, you know, a, 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 a sexual um, predator. But he actually in, in the season, like he's in the third season, like she's mentioned as him, like selling um, rare books on eBay and then giving her all the money because he actually killed her sister um, and she was already the the her and her sister were already like orphaned, so she was already kind of by herself, anyways. So he let her go, you know, gave her the money to go somewhere and like pursue her dreams and then continue to contribute to her. And she's mentioned in like the first five episodes, like first five or six episodes, and just never mentioned again. And even when the season ended, he he never like mentioned whether or not like he was still like gonna financially support her 
and that's why I say, like, I think, like, it had something to do with the actors' commitments over the span of of the pandemic, where, you know, the young lady that was playing, um, Ellie, the the teenager that he was helping, like, I've seen her get all kinds of like other jobs and appearing and other stuff. So maybe she just couldn't. She was meant to appear at some point, and then, you know, they had to cancel out because she had other commitments. But season four, I was surprised they're going to do it another season. But season three really, really disappointed me. So I'm not intending to watch season four. But maybe in time, I'll, you know, certain, you know, casting or story details might come out. I might be interested in watching. So I'll look out for that. All right. Also over the weekend, DC Fandom. So for the last couple of years, DC has been putting on Fandom, which is basically, uh, well, Warner Brothers, because they own DC, have put, been putting on Fandom, where basically all the DC projects, whether it be movies, TV shows, animated series, uh, animated movies, video games, all that stuff gets, um, you know, first looks trailer releases teaser releases um more details they announce a new actor or etc 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 um disney's been doing the same thing with d23 you know where they reveal you know different projects with disney and you know star wars and marvel and you know pixar and all of their different stuff because before it used to be the comic cons but i think they they realized like the the revenue from people the revenue as well as the hype that people were giving towards the comic cons mainly the san diego one and i used to be the place where things used to get announced like they've basically realized like they could do that on their own and that's why you have now fandom and you have the D23 um, reveals. But, you know, I'm a guy, I lean more Marvel, but I've been very intrigued by the Warner Brothers stuff um, and the DC. You know, always been a big Batman fan, you know, the Tim Burton movies. Um, when I was a kid, I enjoyed the Joel Schumacher movies. Which is funny because George Clooney has been bringing up. Um, he seems to bring it up every every couple of years. How much disdain he has towards Batman and Robin. Most recently, saying that like it's the only movie of his that he doesn't um, he doesn't want his wife to see because he just yeah, totally hates it. <laughs> But I was a big fan of the Nolan trilogy, as were plenty of other people. And then Ben Affleck got announced for Batman v Superman. And he was a new Batman. It was interesting to me because I love like the Batman animated series. And he actually, if you put a picture of Ben Affleck and a picture of the animated Bruce Wayne from the Bruce from the Batman animated series, like he looked just like him. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to give him a shot. 
And around the same time, he came out with, like, The Town, which I love, movie he directed. And he was amazing in it. And he did, like, Argo. And he, he was riding high, really, at the time. And um, obviously, that role became, like, really, really stressful for him. But he did an excellent job in some really poor movies. Um, Batman v Superman, as I mentioned. And um, the Joss Whedon Justice League. You know, he was able to redeem himself later on in the Snyder Cut. But other than that, like, they've put out some really, really good um, movies, but they've also put out some really, really bad ones, really, really good ones. You got Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, I thought was excellent. Uh, the Snyder Cut, which just, 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 just was released. But the really bad ones, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Suicide Squad, even <laughs> and then they they I even forgot they they even had even more good ones and like the Suicide Squad, uh Joker, which won, um Walking Phoenix an Academy Award, and then at the same time you had kind of movies that were, uh kind of had like mixed reviews like Man of Steel. But all in all, they've been trying. Obviously, they haven't been as successful as Marvel has been in releasing movies. But I'm going to talk about like some movies uh, they were able to put out. Uh, some movies they gave us like first looks at. Um, I was hoping to see Aquaman, but the only thing that really got revealed from that was uh black manta's new um suit um also amber heard is still going to be in the movie which upsets me upsets me um if you go back in our back catalog where we talked about her and johnny johnny depp where you know it was a domestic violence situation but it didn't seem like it was one-sided it it seemed like she was you know, domestic abuser in her own right. And, you know, they've gotten rid of domestic abusers from movies and people with um, infamy attached to their name from other movies, but they're, you know, keeping her for whatever reason. But that's neither here nor there. But first and foremost, the thing everybody wanted to look at and I think it's the most finished product because it was actually supposed to be released around this time. But it was pushed back and it's, on, it's going to be released in March of next year. So still a couple months away. The Batman, which is directed by Matt Reeves, who I'm a big fan of because he directed the second and third installments of the... um. Planet of the Apes movies, um, which includes Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes, which I thought were excellent movies. He's reunited with Andy Serkis, who of course played Caesar through motion capture and a little bit of voice acting in those movies. But Andy Serkis is actually playing Alfred in this movie. And more often than not, we've seen older Alfreds, Michael Gall, in the four movies in the 90s. 
Michael Caine in the Nolan trilogy, you know, where he's, you know, in his 60s and 70s, and then in these newer um, DCEU films. Yeah, you got Jeremy Irons, who he's in his, like, 60s. So now you have a younger Alfred in, uh, you know, Andy Serkis. He's in, like, his, his 50s. Um, you know, his 40s and 50s, so he's still relatively young. And Robert Pattinson, he takes over for um, he takes over the role of Bruce Wayne in this series. And you know, a lot of people were introduced, myself included, um, to him in the Twilight movies. Um, I didn't see those movies, uh, I, I watched like piece of one, and I was like, this acting is horrible. Um, him and Kristen Stewart. Uh, this is you know I'm watching it. I'm like this is awful. But then eventually I saw Kristen Stewart and other things, and she's um far more talented than what those movies gave her to work with. And Robert Pattinson, it's interesting. I actually was on a flight, and the movie selection on our flight. This is before you know back in the 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 early. 2010s and this is before you know now when you fly a plane like you could pick whatever movie you want to watch this was back when there's just like yeah like this flight going here you get to watch this movie this flight going there you get to watch this movie so the movie selection on our flight was water for Ele- uh, water for elephants which was starring him reese witherspoon and christoph waltz who was fresh off of winning um an academy award for inglorious bastards i think it was before he he won his second academy award for django and i was like really really impressed by him in that movie like i was like oh my god like the twilight dude could act and then as you could see he's had some excellent acting roles ever since um he was in tenant tenant i've you know, I, I think I don't think it was like a really good movie, but I thought the acting from everyone, um, him included, was just great. So, you know, I've I've grown to become a fan or at least a supporter of Robert Pattinson. And if you look at him in the in the pictures, if you look at him in the trailer, the footage of him, like he kind of has that look of like somebody that who lost parents at a young age and wants to take it out on like all the criminals in his city which i think was missing in all the other movies like everybody was like you know a billionaire um debonair ceo by day uh, superhero by night and I think he's the one that actually, he, he he has the look of a person like, oh, you can look at him like, yeah, he's a billionaire, but like somebody like a, a mugger killed his parents. He He's the first one I've seen that, that look. Um, I mean, to be fair, like Ben Affleck had it a little bit, but obviously he was in like an ensemble movie, so they never really got to explore it. And it looks like it delves into like the detective side of Batman, which is something that wasn't explored in the Burton Schumacher series. They 
explored it like a little bit in the Nolan series. But I think in this one, it's actually going to be like, you know, crimes are being committed that aren't just, um, you can't just focus on, you know, a villain and their goons. It's, it looks like the Riddler in the movie was played by Paul Dano, um, who a lot of people know from uh, Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood. He's playing a Riddler. So this is not going to be Jim Carrey's Riddler. Um, this is going to actually be like what I likened it to was like if Batman was like David Fincher's seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey and um, Gwyneth Paltrow, like it seemed like looking at the trailer, you get that. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is in there and she's playing Selena, Cly- she's playing Selena Kyle, Catwoman. They've shown, shown her in like the in her um cat burglar like outfit and i said like she's a nightclub worker so it's not like um the frank miller year one comic book where she was like implied to be like a prostitute and then they kind of like implied that with anne hathaway's cat woman in the dark knight rises but in this one like she's a nightclub worker by you know early night and then late at night she's like a cat burglar but they haven't shown her with a mask yet Colin Farrell he's in there and he's playing the penguin so again these are characters you haven't seen since the Tim Burton Joe Schumacher movie but this ain't gonna be Danny DeVito's penguin I think this one's gonna be more like you know a, a mobster and like a underworld like crime lord and it kind of looks like he's about to be like the the big mob guy, but it's um John Tortoro, who I adore as an actor. He's gonna be playing Carmine Falcone, who was um played by Tom Wilkinson in the Nolan series, but not really the Nolan series. I think he was just in the first movie. But John Tortoro is playing Carmine Falcone, and I'm really really excited um by it because it it, if by the looks of it it's looking like this movie is taking from um long halloween which was a graphic novel a batman graphic novel by jeff Loeb, really really good fantastic it's really told from the point of commissioner gordon who in this one he's played by jeffrey wright who i adore also and it comes from the angles of Batman, Commissioner Gordon, the underworld and organized crime, as well as, you know, he's dealing with organized crime, but they're also dealing with actual like villains like the Riddler and um, I assume Catwoman is, you know, straddling the, the good and bad side of Gotham in the in, in this movie. So I'm really excited to see that really long cut. It looks different from any of the Batman movies or any of the Batman movies that we've seen over the years, which is a a tall task because, you know, it's there's been so many different Batman actors that 
it's so hard to kind of make the role your own and to to make it look different from anything anybody's seen before. So I'm already excited that it it looks fresh and new and doesn't seem like a rehash. Like I remember when Amazing Spider-Man came out and I was like, uh, like Spider-Man 3 just came out like a couple of years ago. And Amazing Spider-Man really still looked like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So I never got excited for the Amazing Spider-Man series, but it seems like the Batman is going to be different. Also shown, The Flash. This one was a teaser, meaning it didn't really give any like plot details. It just was uh, little clips from the movie stitched together. And unlike The Batman, this one seems like it's going to carry on the Snyderverse at least a little bit. As is Aquaman, the Lost King, and the Lost Kingdom, as well as probably this third Wonder Woman movie, which we'll get into in a little while. So in it, you have a Michael Keaton voiceover, and I was like the big news with this movie, and that um, it takes from Flashpoint, which is a series um, with the Flash where he was able to, due to his speed and his power, he was able to leap from timeline to timeline and different universes and stuff like that. So it was revealed that Michael Keaton, for the first time since 1992, he's going to be returning as Batman, and he's and the Flash is going to somehow end up needing his help and interacting with him. And it was really, really cool because the it showed scenes of the Flash and then another version of the Flash and Supergirl, you know, who's going to be introduced in this movie, showing up to Wayne Manor. And I had to look it up. And it was literally the same Wayne Manor from 1989 Batman and Batman Returns. And it didn't really give away it didn't really give away a lot because it just showed Batman from the back and his, you know, it was the same cow from um the Tim Burton Batman movies. Um a scene where he enters the uh, the flash enters the back cave, uh activates, you know, turns it on, basically all the lights and the, the equipment, and then you see him walk up to um a covered car and the outline of it looks like the Batmobile from Timber and movies. And before he pulls it off, it ends. So it gave a lot. It showed a lot without giving away a lot. Um, and that one's coming out in the fall of next year. So obviously I assume sometime during the Super Bowl, you get like a, a, a larger look at it or sometime over the summer. A full-blown trailer. And Wonder Woman 3 was announced. It was announced that Patty Jenkins was returning. And I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, my first reaction was, like, I don't know if Patty Jenkins should be returning. Um, because Wonder Woman 1984 was horrible. Uh, objectively speaking, it was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. So I'm not too excited for this third one. Wonder Woman 1984 was like the first 
I believe the first movie um Warner Brothers put out on HBO Max for 30 days and then in the movies at the same time because this was the end of 2020 so you know obviously um a lot of places including here in New York like movie theaters weren't open up yet so it offered the opportunity for people who couldn't go to the movies to be able to watch it and I was so glad because if I would have paid money for that movie I would have really wanted my money back it was it was not bad and you know I talk about Patty Jenkins because it's interesting because Wonder Woman was amazing you know it was a really good movie and she directed that so and she did so well that in the second movie Wonder Woman 1984 she was given like full autonomy like she was able to shoot the movie she wanted to shoot and it just so happened like it just ended up being like horrid so i thought it was interesting uh considering considering the I, i'm, I'm gonna find it interesting if considering the failure of wonder woman 1984 is if 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 is if in this one they decide to kind of like you know the 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 studio uh, decides to like intercede a lot more or what kind of different approach they're going to take to it and I'll admit like at first I was like oh no like he, she shouldn't be directing this but I mean you know she does have the caveat of the fact that the first movie was really really well received so she should have the opportunity even though the second movie wasn't well received at all to you know give it another go with a third film like she's at least earned that opportunity <clears throat> she's at least earned that opportunity so we'll see you know whatever like plot details come out and and um whatever the, whatever Warner Brothers decides to do Black Adam now this one is a movie like cloaked in mystery not a well-known property but it has a very well-known star you know me being a fan of wrestling and also being a fan of the rocks films uh Dwayne the rock john Dwayne the rock johnson is starring as black adam and this movie is great it uh, like has like a wide scope um hawkman is gonna be in it uh played by aldous hodge Pierce Brosnan, former James Bond, and, you know, great actor in his own right, is going to be in it. A lot of actors I'm not too familiar with are going to be in it. So it's actually going to have, like, a lot of um, a lot of various DC characters we haven't seen before are going to be introduced, and they're going to be introduced by a lot of new faces. And from what I hear, like, Black Adam is kind of like an anti-hero and actually kind of leans more into being like a villain. So that's interesting. And I, I, I think about it because The Rock in his movie careers, I don't in his movie career, I don't believe he's played a villain yet or a villainous role just yet. But when he was in WWE, he was very capable of playing you know, the anti-hero villain because he had some great um heel runs. You know, a lot of great runs as a bad guy in WWE. 
you know, just as much as the yeah, runs as good guys, and and you know, I'm I'm always interested in rock what the rock does. Um, if you haven't seen Young Rock, uh, he appears in our series, which tells a story about um him growing up at various points. You know, as a kid, as a teenager, and as a college age. Um, when he was playing college football. And that one has been renewed for a second season, so I'm excited for that. But going back to Black Adam, this one was just a clip from the movie. It's not really long, doesn't really give away too much, but it kind of kind of shows you um him in the him and his outfit, um, him using his powers, the special effects, and his capabilities. So I think the more and more as time goes by, more and more will be revealed about Black Adam. Um, I haven't really seen much else about the the rest of the things on DC fan on the DC fandom, but I do know there's a Suicide Squad game that's coming out. There is a Batgirl series that's coming out. It hasn't really been revealed, like which universe this bad girl will be in is it you know whether it's ben affleck's batman whether it's uh robert pattinson's batman i don't think so because robert i forgot to leave put in that detail that robert pattinson's batman is actually batman in his second year like back in batman begins that was like batman's first year and it took away from it took from frank miller's batman year one so this one is like year two Batman where he's, you know, fairly new, but he's established as a crime fighter in Gotham City. And I also thought it was important that that's why I highlighted Andy Serkis's age because Andy Serkis is like 50 in his 50s, 40s, 50s, and Robert Pattinson's um in his 30s, in his early 30s. So, you know, it's less of like a butler giving him tea than like an actual guy who probably could go out and like you know kick ass as well so I, I think that's an interesting casting um but going back to Batgirl nobody knows if, if it's going to take place in that universe nobody knows perhaps it'll take place in the Ben Affleck universe um and I talked about Ben Affleck a little bit he's also going to be in Flashpoint to what degree we don't know yet. Um, and you know, he was going through his personal problems and while he was playing Batman, so it was, you know, a rough time for him. But now that he's in a new place, he said he was really glad to be in this movie and, um, you know, do Batman justice one more time and actually have fun doing it, um, pun intended. Um, but yeah, Suicide Squad game is coming out. Um, and a lot of other stuff. Uh, I don't know if, like, the Aquaman, if any more information about Aquaman is going to be put out or anything, but these were some cool first looks, and I'm, I'm always interested in that stuff, and it's just interesting. Like I said, they, these kind of things, they would usually drop out, like, the San Diego Comic-Con, and I think, like, Disney and Warner Brothers realized, like, hey, why help people sell tickets when we could, you know, basically do it on our own and reveal this stuff at our own whim and, and, um, and as we please.
All right, award of the week is going to go to Hooters for somehow making their uniform skimpier in this, the year of our Lord, 2021. So this news came across like when I was like on Twitter and it was trending, um, you know, being reported by like news outlets and, you know, just talking about this new outfit and originally the design of like the Hooters um, uniform, it was a white town top with the Hooters logo on it and some short orange shorts over like pantyhose you know nothing too crazy when you think about it i was you know during the summertime you know walking down the street like you'd see women dressed like that so it wasn't like anything out of the ordinary and i'll admit you know when i was younger i used to go to hooters to you know look at the women and stuff when i was like a kid because i got really put on to Hooters from the movie Big Daddy. Um, if everybody's like familiar with that, like that's for a lot of people where you got to know, like, you, you know, you got to see Hooters, the restaurant, and you know, they would have commercials and stuff like that. And I found actually the same Hooters from Big Daddy. I actually used to go to a lot when I was um you know, in middle school and high school, um, when I was in the city. And the one thing that always stayed consistent with Hooters was, like, the wings, like, the breading and, like, the seasoning. It tastes awesome. I remember one time I saw, like, they had the the breading um, at Walmart. And I'm pretty sure it was, like, in, in other, like, supermarkets and stuff like that where you could buy the breading and make your own Hooters wings at home. And I think I did. I tried it one time and it didn't come out like how it did in a restaurant, but their wings have always been like awesome to me. I just, I, I love how they taste. So, you know, obviously as you get older and you've seen women, uh, and you're able to go to like strip clubs and stuff like that. Um, who, the, the luster of going to Hooters to look at women kind of goes away for you. And, you know, I, I really <laughs> actually used to go to Hooters for the wings and, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, whenever I was in the city, there was one that was like right across the street from Madison Square Garden. So we'd usually meet down at like Penn Station in front of the garden and then go to Hooters, get some some wings and some drinks, you know, kind of to, to like pregame before we, you know, went out and about the town. When when I was an adult, I really used to go to Hooters just – I used to go for the wings and the, the, the drinks and stuff like that. The women, yeah, they, they were gorgeous and they, they looked – they were nice to look at, but um, I wasn't the reason I went. So I just thought it was interesting that this news comes across that they wanted to make these outfits skimpier. And, I mean, outside of the wings and, and the drinks, um, that was kind of like Hooters is um, their main appeal, like the women. And I guess, as I said before, like how how the waitresses dress 
it's just how like regular women dress, you know, women regularly dress who don't work at Hooters when they're walking up and down the street. And on top of the fact that you could just go on Instagram and, you know, you could see women, women like the women at Hooters, that, you know, they kind of have to like compete. But I just, it's just interesting that this new outfit, just to detail it, instead of like the shorts, which kind of still covered up your butt, like this new um this new uniform is kind of hyped up and like it kind of got like the ass cheeks out and it's just really like interested i'm just like you know when in this era of like you know me too and female empowerment and um women empowerment uh, like somehow some way like hooters is like like trying to make the 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 outfits skimpier and even more like revealing um that's that's different and i'm actually like impressed in like a weird way that somebody at hooters was just like yeah let's make these let's make these outfits like skimpier like it is in this in in today's society and like basically got away with it because um i've seen some of the women who work at hooters like yeah like uh, I like it and posting wearing it and stuff like that and then there's a lot of women who are just like uh like nah this is, you know we were already you know the outfits were already like showing a lot like why do we have to show more like uh, a lot I have to agree with them like wow like this was really really unnecessary like I said I, I, it's unnecessarily it's unnecessary but I get like the thinking behind it. It's like kind of hard to compete with like a regular ass restaurant because you know at this point it's like if you want wings, you could probably just go to like Buffalo Wild Wings. Like what's separating Buffalo Wild Wings from Hooters at this point? And um, it's just it's just interesting to me. Like that's still kind of like their appeal now. That you know, come here to like gawk at our women, like you know like you're not gawking at them like you did in 2001 so 20 years later let's let's make them like even more let's make them even more into eye candy so to speak um so that's award of the week just my amazement that somehow like hooters was able to make their outfits um skimpier uh we'll see what comes of this if like uh, they decide to change it back. Maybe it's just like, you know what? Yeah, we meant to change from orange shorts to black shorts. And we didn't mean to make them go, you know, all the way up there. Let's make them back to the same cut that they were. And, you know, revealing, but less revealing. But now black instead of orange. And that's that. All right, final thoughts this week. You know, it's a tough, tough... um baseball playoff for Yankee fans first of all a team barely was in it the game they played you already kind of knew what the result was going to be um like two or three innings in but two rounds later your two biggest rivals your most historic rival and your most recent rival are going up against each other and as a baseball fan you have to 
you feel the need to choose sides or which one would hurt less if if they won and uh you know, I don't, you know, who do you root for? I don't root for either one of them because I don't like either one of them. But I'd prefer to see the Red Sox lose more than I'd prefer to see Houston lose. I prefer both of them to lose. If there was some way, like the NL could just, you know, they could tie and the NL team is the World Series champion by default. I, I I would hope for that outcome, but I know that's not realistic. Um, but go Braves, go Dodgers, whoever makes it, you know, that's what I'm going for. I I, I actually prefer the Braves because, you know, I used to live in Atlanta and um they kind of were like my NL team over the years. And I like what they they they've got going on. I'd be interested to see them win without Ronald Acuna. Not to win, like I'm not excited to see them win without him. But the fact that they were able to, um, with his injury and him being done for the year, be able to possibly make it make a run to the World Series for the first time in 22 years, possibly win the World Series for the first time in 26 years, um. You know, more power to them. I wouldn't be uh, too mad if the Dodgers won again. Um, actually, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd be fine with it because it would show the Yankees that that's the model they need to 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 follow. You're a big market team with a big wallet. You know, start, you know, start acting like it. You. Season three, man, just such a disappointment. I'm I after I watched. All of season three, as soon as it was done, credits roll. I was like, yeah, I'm going to pretend that never happened. I'm going to just pretend like it ended with uh, season two. Season two had a great, you know, logical endpoint. Like if the series would have just ended there, it would have been fine. But I understand um, people, uh, Netflix sees the value in it and wants to keep it going. I just hope that they do a much better job writing season four than they did season three. Uh, but Penn Bagley, Victoria Pedretti, awesome in it, as usual. DC fandom, I'm excited, man. I, I think Marvel has kind of set the bar high, and DC has been trying to, to reach that bar for a while, and they've they've had some... Really, really good films. Suicide Squad, the the Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad. The that's there's a huge difference between those two movies. Um, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad was really, really good. Joker, which I don't really think was meant to be like a superhero DC comic book movie, is kind of like it was kind of like a graphic novel made like a movie version of a graphic novel rather than a comic book movie um and that one was really really good again academy award winning performance by joaquin phoenix the snyder cut uh you know for you know four really long parts um you kind of had to clear out your whole day to watch it but it was it was really worth it um as opposed to the hour and a half Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, which was horrible. Uh, the first Wonder Woman was great. 
the second one horrible now it's announced like a third one's coming out um so hopefully they could fix that wrong and i'm excited for aquaman big jason momoa fan really disappointed that they're keeping amber amber heard but you know what can you do but i'll be excited to see when the details of of that one comes out and the flash boy is this gonna be a bold film i mean in marvel we're gonna get to see universes converging and seeing um movies that were previously rebooted intersecting and movies that sony did intersecting with the marvel movies so that's gonna be exciting um and dc is gonna put their own little spin on it and you know, from I haven't read Flashpoint, but from what I've heard, it's really, really good. And Michael Keaton, ironically enough, when he returned to the superhero genre, he was like the villain in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, he was fantastic in our role. And he he initially surprised people when he was in 1989's Batman. So I'm pretty sure he's he's really fond of that role and he's really glad to return to it. I think the only reason he actually left was because Tim Burton wasn't directing the movie, but they have a vision for this film and they're doing something that's going to be really, really groundbreaking because, you know, Spider-Man is amazing. The, the Spider-Man um, No Way Home is going to have possibly having Tobey Maguire and possibly Andrew Garfield, but those were really recent in people's memories. But, you know, 1992 is like a long time ago for somebody to come back into a role. So I'm going to be really excited to see that. Um, as far as Sugar Me the Mooney goes, we have Sugar Reviews of Brews every Thursday. Check those out. They drop soon as midnight um falls you can check those out on our youtube channel um once upon a time in hollywood part one and part two are up part three will be out friday part four friday after that and the final part five will be out the friday after that um and please subscribe uh you can also set alerts and notifications so whenever we drop something You'll know you won't have to just look and see when we post it on social media. Um, please follow us at Shug Me the Mooney on Instagram, on Twitter. And yeah, this has been really fun. Episode 72. Till next week, please go get vaccinated. If you need to get a booster shot, try to go get a booster shot. I know I'm going to try to get mine as soon as I possibly can, but go out and get vaccinated. And this has been episode 72 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. <laughs>